0: Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host Gavin Jackson and this episode was recorded on April 9th, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features a breakdown of the big and small bills that moved during this crossover week. Lawmakers will now have a total of $1.7 billion in extra money to budget with this year. The South Carolina Ports Authority had a record-breaking march, and DHEC gives us an update on vaccines. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life in these different times. Leave us a 1-3 to minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. Tell us how life is going, if it's getting back to a more normal pattern, what you're doing, what you're still not doing. Let us know. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 8,144 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 470,153 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of April 9th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 4.5%. We continue to see an increase in hospitalizations, ICU admissions, and ventilator use in the state. Right now, 506 patients are hospitalized with COVID-19, 126 are in intensive care, and 65 are on ventilators. And remember, you can find a vaccine location by visiting scdhec.gov vaxlocator or by calling 1-866-365-8110. Well, we made it through crossover week and saw a lot of major legislation move in both chambers. So let's start with bills passed by the House that went over to the Senate. The House passed another guns bill, this time to give cover for those far right wing Republicans that wanted what's known as constitutional carry, which means anyone who can legally own a gun can carry it without a concealed weapons permit, which comes with training. This is different from a previous bill passed by the House known as open carry with training. The bill passed largely along partisan lines with a few notable exceptions, including Republican Leader Gary Simrel and Speaker Pro Tem Tommy Pope, who sided with Democrats and a few other Republicans against the bill, which passed 69 to 47. The hate crimes bill quickly scooted through the House Wednesday with less than 15 minutes of debate, surprising many. The bill would add penalty enhancements for someone who commits violent crimes, and it is determined that the offense was committed against a victim who was intentionally selected in whole or in part because of the person's belief or perception regarding the victim's race, color, religion, sex, gender, national origin, sexual orientation, or physical or mental disability. North Charleston Democrat Representative Wendell Gilliard has been pushing the legislation for years and spoke about the historic House passage on Thursday.
1: I think often... Or I should say many times, about the Mother Emanuel incident. It had an impact on everybody that was involved, and especially the families, our Charleston community, our state, and this nation. We are still grieving today. We must never forget the grace and forgiveness that was expressed of all the families who endure the most pain during those trying times. Unfortunately, there are still three states without hate crime laws, and South Carolina is one of them. I am sure you all know that last year, the state of Georgia made tremendous progress and passed its legislation to work alongside the federal law. Now, we are one of three states We are here to urge, and I repeat, urge the senators, and they are some great senators over there, both on the left and the right. We are urging them, by the grace of God, to pass this legislation. It is time for this to happen. It is time that we help create this united voice on hate-violent crimes and let our state join to move forward with healing.
0: If a person is convicted, penalties could increase by a fine of up to $10,000 and additional five years in prison. Now, this bill does not include crimes such as stalking, harassment, or property damage. So for example, spray painting a swastika outside of a synagogue would not be considered a hate crime under this legislation. The same day the bill passed, freshman Republican Representative Victor Dabney of Camden posted a racially charged rant on his Facebook page in which he said, among other things, that the left continues the vilification of heterosexual white men and that this bill will lead to hate speech laws. The House Speaker's Office said it is looking into the post and House Democrats have filed a bill to censure Dabney. Some education bills also moved to the Senate, including one dealing with students who have outstanding lunch debt. Under H3319, students would be able to have received the same federally reimbursable meal as other students, and the state would develop model policy for districts when it comes to collection of school meal debt. Another bill would allow schools to hire up to 25% non-certified teachers that meet certain criteria, like being a college graduate, having five years of work experience, among others. And another bill, H3560, would provide 12 weeks of paid family leave for full-time state employees after the birth or adoption of a child. And another interesting bill, H. 3037, would let people with health conditions such as a neurological disorder, mental illness, and other conditions, including autism, get a special notation on the back of their driver's license. On crossover day, the House zipped through its calendar, whereas there was a flurry of activity over in the Senate, which was in session for seven and a half hours. Bills passed by the Senate Thursday included two that now head to the governor's desk. The Emergency Rental Assistance Bill that authorizes the spending of $346 million in federal assistance, and a bill to allow homeschooled students to participate in interscholastic sports at public schools during the next two years. Now we already did House to Senate, so let's talk Senate to House. Bills that were sent over there include major DUI legislation, Bill S-28, requiring ignition interlock devices in cars. A bill that would prohibit employers from taking adverse employment action against an employee who chooses not to receive a COVID-19 vaccine also passed. Democrats amended to say that those working with vulnerable populations may be required to get the shot. The Senate also voted 22 to 21 to allow college athletes to profit off their image and likeness. Another bill will prohibit paying people with disabilities a sub-minimum wage, something that affects some 2,900 South Carolinians with disabilities. Advocates say people could be making up to $31,000 a year without jeopardizing their benefits instead of far lower wages that employers can legally charge. And the Gallo Wine Bill, S-619, scooted through at the end of the day on Thursday. The contentious legislation allows the massive winemaker to open three tasting rooms in the state as part of its $400 million investment in a production facility in Chester, said to create nearly 500 new jobs in the area. The tasting rooms can only sell a limited amount of wine that Gallo must buy through state wholesalers. Many senators dragged the Department of Commerce for their handling of this request, with critics calling them bullies and labeling the bill for creating unfair special treatment which would disadvantage homegrown wineries and other establishments, they say. This is the Senate's latest scuffle with the Department of Commerce, which is highly secretive about economic development incentives. And on the way out, the American Civil Liberties Union this week sued Governor Henry McMaster over his executive order that requires all state employees to return to normal operations. The ACLU, representing a College of Charleston employee, said in a state court filing that the move is, quote, contrary to the safety, security and welfare of the state. We'll see how long we're in studio for. State economists upgraded the state's revenue estimate for the upcoming fiscal year that starts July 1st. The Bureau of Economic Advisors said Thursday that lawmakers will have $1.7 billion extra to budget with. That breaks down to $385.8 million in recurring funds and $1.3 billion in non-recurring money. Half of that money is from prior fiscal years and the other half is from revenue jumps this past year. Revenue and Fiscal Affairs director Frank Rainwater attributes the increases to the two rounds of federal stimulus that juiced the state following their original budget forecast in November. And personal income data is
1: backing that up. The Bureau of Economic Analysis shows our personal income in South Carolina is better than we anticipated, better than we forecasted. Staff has provided an estimate there in the dotted line on what the second and third round stimulus is. So we're gonna have another spike in this first quarter. We anticipate, or for working purposes on this forecast, we believe that the stimulus is going to wane before this fiscal year ends, and we'll be back on a normal path or normal trajectory next fiscal year. So we're gonna get all the boost from the stimulus this fiscal year, and then we're not accounting any stimulus effects really in next fiscal year. So another spike for the rest of this year, but we're gonna drop back to more normal levels.
0: Now, House lawmakers crafted their $9.8 billion budget with an extra $911 million, which was based off those previous estimates. So now, Senators begin deliberating their budget next week, knowing that they have an additional $789 million above the House's budget. When the budget returns to the House, Ways and Means Chairman Merle Smith says they will restart the budget writing process all over. Moving on. The South Carolina Ports Authority reported that it handled the most cargo in its history in March, with the Port of Charleston handling the record volumes. This comes as the Hugh K. Leatherman Terminal begins operations. SC Ports reported an all-time container record for March moving 248,796 20-foot equivalent units across the Port of Charleston's Wando Welch and North Charleston container terminals. This is up 34 percent year-over-year. The previous container record was set in August 2019. SC Ports president and CEO Jim Newsom said, our all-time container record reinforces that we are adding more capacity to the Port of Charleston at the right time. The -the state-of-the-art Leatherman terminal will add 700,000 TEUs of throughput capacity and a 1,400-foot berth to the East Coast port market when it is most needed. Loaded imports were up nearly 50% in March at the Port of Charleston, driven by the booming Southeast population and pandemic-driven lifestyle shifts for home goods, furniture, electronics, exercise equipment, and fresh produce. And for the fourth consecutive week, first-time unemployment claims rose. South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce reported 4,969 initial unemployment claims last week, up from 3,100 the week before. We're going to start off our medical section with more money. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention awarded South Carolina $47.1 million to increase vaccine uptake by expanding programs and ensuring greater equity and access to vaccine by those disproportionately affected by the pandemic. The award is part of $3 billion in funding that the agency has granted 64 jurisdictions to bolster broad based vaccine distribution, access and administration efforts. Funding was made available by the American Rescue Plan and the Coronavirus Response and Relief Supplemental Appropriations Act. DHEC's Interim Director of Public Health, Dr. Brandon Traxler, elaborated on how the agency plans to use the money.
2: Federal funding um, is going to provide additional support for these established um, community level outreach activities and is going to target vaccination among. Um, the minority populations, the underserved neighborhoods, and the young adults who might be less inclined to receive their vaccines, as we've been talking about. Um, so the use of the federal funding to, to further enhance vaccination efforts in South Carolina um, will certainly follow all of the federal stipulations that comes with it.
0: When asked about vaccines fueling a drop in deaths, tracks are pointed to a drop in cases, but says it's too soon to say that the vaccine has fueled these drops.
2: Correlation doesn't always um, imply causation. Seeing uh, our deaths decrease is a wonderful thing. And um, our initial vaccine rollout was directed to protect some of our most vulnerable populations in the state. Um, Throughout this pandemic, we've unfortunately seen um, the deaths being predominantly from the older population. And while we continue to see that be the case, these numbers of deaths have dropped significantly. Um, from a case perspective, we're not seeing uh, the huge clusters of cases that, you know, we potentially were once seeing. Um, sometimes we would see multiple clusters in long-term care facilities uh, each day, and we're, we're not seeing those uh, currently. Uh, that's a huge message, I think, that demonstrates the effectiveness of the vaccine. Um, but I do want to stress that um, it is difficult to say with certainty um, that that is – that the vaccine is the cause of these decreased uh, deaths, but certainly um, we are seeing it in a, in a manner that would, be, uh, that would make sense in terms of the time frame.
0: This past week, we have seen daily death rates range from zero to 24 on Thursday. And if you think 24 is a lot and for one day, it's not what you think when you look at the numbers and how they're applied retroactively to other days, including for days when we originally saw zero deaths reported, like on April 4th. Now, I say all this to say that our actual seven-day average death rate is around five right now. Now, let's move to the latest on vaccines. DHEC is doing a community survey on vaccination hesitancy through April 9th, and we'll be sharing this data in the coming weeks. Also, I've been clicking around on DHEC's site, and there is a lot of availability for first doses of the vaccine out there, specifically at county health departments and at Walgreens pharmacies. So if you're looking for places to get it, hot tips right there. Now scheduling second doses, if you haven't already done so when you got your first, is a bit trickier. Trust me, I'm trying to do that right now. But Dr. Traxer informed us about the current demand for shots in the state.
2: So available appointments for the vaccine appear to be relatively even across the state. Um, We haven't seen any uh, clear indications of a major drop um, in demand in a particular area. Um, However, I will say that, that having any appointments available Um, at this point is concerning, and I do want to remind all South Carolinians of the importance of um, receiving any one, whichever is first available to you, of the three very safe and effective vaccines uh, that are now available to all persons 16 and older in our state.
0: Nationwide, more than 112 million people have received one dose of the vaccine, and we're averaging 3 million vaccinations per day all Americans will be eligible no later than April 19th for a vaccine shot. But of course, everyone in our state, over 16, has been eligible since March 31st. In South Carolina, 1.4 million people have received at least one dose, with 865,000 people completing their vaccine. That translates into 21% of the eligible population now being vaccinated. And before we head out, new guidance for surface cleaning was issued by the CDC, and confirms what many researchers have been saying, that the risk of spreading COVID-19 from surfaces is very low, like one in 10,000 chances low. Now, high touch surfaces should still be disinfected once a day, especially in areas of high community spread. And of course, continue to use good hand hygiene, folks. Keep washing your hands. This, I'm not giving you an excuse not to wash your hands. They're disgusting. <laughs> Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things, if you've gotten vaccinated, how your experience has been, any side effects. Let us know. Tell us your stories. It's springtime. What are you doing? <laughs> I shared my experience flying. Share your experience. Staying home, going out, let us know what you're doing, what you're still not doing. 803-563-7169. AT, yes. who do we... Who do we have? I'm not even going to ask anymore if we have voicemails because I feel like we have a, st- a nice little steady stream of them coming in. <laughs> uh, that's funny you say that because this is our last. Oh one. my god! Yeah, <laughs> this is the Warning. last one. Warning. Alert! Oh, the
3: hopper is so low. Whoa! And it's the type of thing where you don't want to let it get to empty. You want to <laughs> yeah, let it, you we know? Really so you going. this
0: is dangerous. Like you're not supposed to drive your car to eat. Exactly you right. To, you know. Yeah.
3: Then you're gonna. It's gonna get janky. Yeah. You don't want this hopper to to, to malfunction because that's dangerous. <laughs> that's dangerous for all of us. Um. But anyway. <laughs> uh, we got we got a, a classic caller right here. Oh, so yes. yeah, oh yeah. Let's let's hit it.
4: Hey, it's Rose in Greenville County. It's been a while since I called in to let you know how we're doing. Uh, mainly just because I've been exhausted. Everything finally caught up with me. You know, Though blessed to be working from home, it's been 14 to 16 hour days, and then and the the teacher and the special ed teacher all on top of that. Just kind of got to me. Um, we didn't see anybody, gather anybody with anybody over the holidays. Um, and it was really kind of an emotional roller coaster for me watching uh, siblings and extended family members from afar uh make different choices than we did, uh, particularly one that was impacting our older family members, increasing their risks. We've been just hunkering down and taking calculated risks. We've got one in virtual school and one uh, full-time in high school in person. Um, It's been a little bit challenging. Uh, The school resource officer just doesn't wear a mask, and that's really hard to explain to a student of color why is it that the, the resource officer has different rules and doesn't have to follow the rules. So that's kind of emotional rollercoaster that we've been dealing with. Some positive things that we've had in the last year, I've really learned to understand my kids and immediate family in ways that I never thought I would have the chance to and have the opportunity to teach them more life skills and how to make the best choices. They think not only of themselves, but also of the community and people that they don't know and learn that life isn't all about them. The funniest thing I guess is we we saved up all the toilet paper tubes, being a Girl Scout, uh you know, you saved up for when you, you never know when you can use that resource. So we took all of our toilet paper tubes from the past year and we planted our seedlings in them. Um uh, so that was kind of a fun way to lighten up the spring after a short but really kind of dark and depressing winter use season. We're hoping that we can continue to support our local farms and that we are really looking forward to the day when the masks can go into memory boxes and we will be in line for our vaccine as soon as our lupus calls, which we hope will be by the end of the summer.
0: Rose, always great to hear from you. And yes, those were tough decisions uh, that many people made during the holidays based on their level of risk to travel. Um, I know I felt confident doing that, but I know, you know, different, different situation. But when you look back at those case and those death numbers back in like, you know, December, January, I mean, it was, it's just, if you can see the graph going on DHEC's website and poking around, it's just, it's astonishing. I I can't. Bonkers. Imagine that. But now we've reached a, a nice little. Uh, plateau i guess if we can call it a nice little something uh it's maintaining you know i'm mean, listening back over the year when we were talking about the initial plateau in april and may and everyone's like oh yeah we got a plateau it's like okay kaboom, You know, After the two weeks at home yeah. yeah yeah uh but rose you mentioned uh getting the vaccine you called us on march 21st um obviously it's been open since then to everybody so i'm sure you've either signed up for it or you've already gotten the first dose um so we're excited for you there and how about that uh, mentioning that SRO who wasn't wearing a yeah, mask? He's that supposed to be a terrible. role model. And I know. The whole message of everyone saying, oh, people can go back to schools, they're safe, because we're following these mitigation efforts. And then you have someone who's clearly not doing the most basic thing to, to mitigate that spread. Who's also probably packing heat. So, yeah, that's that's <laughs> a lot of uh, life discussions there. I'm sure you had to have, like you were saying. Yeah, so, sorry about that. Yeah, So, but thanks again for calling. Always good to hear from you, Rose. Sorry you got cut off, too. That's not, yes, a, that, not that, our we, rules. We don't make
3: the rules. Three minutes is max. But, so. yeah,
0: also, I think Brent would be very excited to hear about how you're oh, using yeah. those toilet paper rolls for the seedlings. Lead
3: horticulturals, Brenton Fox, would approve of the <laughs> use of the toilet paper rolls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks again, Rose. And we have a special, even more special wind down within our wind down for you. Oh. What are those little nesting dolls? Russian <laughs> nesting dolls. Exactly Russian right. Doll. Uh, and. This is because of all the outpouring of support for our lovely friend Meg Kennard And to keep you updated on Meg's battle with breast cancer, we decided to have Meg join us for a little TGIF wind down. Mm. 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 And Meg, it sounds like you are having quite the Friday.
5: I am. I am. I'm so glad I get to spend some of it with y'all. And thank yes. you guys. Um, but yes, very typical Friday, just getting some some chemo-related love, just doing a little work, handling some breaking news, you know. I mean, it's just—it's very normal in our world, and yeah, I'm cool. just happy to be here for all parts of it.
0: Yeah, you're definitely rocking and rolling through a lot of the big events this week while you were in the middle of, you know, coming back from Houston <laughs> and, you know, then also getting chemo and then, you know, all this breaking news happening. So just get, maybe give people an idea about how you're doing, how you're handling chemo right now, and just maybe the latest on your situation.
5: I've been spending a lot of time in Houston. You're right. I just got back um, on Tuesday this past week for just a couple of days of checkups with my doctors there. They like to do a lot of their own scans, ultrasounds, imaging, just so they can compare, you know, how things are going in between chemo rounds for me. Um, So, yeah, that was really busy on the way there. Thank goodness for in-flight Wi-Fi, um, Mm -hmm. because I had a story that I had to finish up writing about some (laughs) political stuff happening in Greenville. Very normal, very normal flight out to MD Anderson for cancer treatment. Um, then got back here, and there's been a lot of breaking news to deal with this week. So thankfully, I'm really glad about having the opportunity really to have something to kind of keep my mind occupied It's not related to treatment. Treatment's going great. I just finished up my third round of chemo this past week, but also really just trying to stay up to the news and to really you know, continue doing my job as much as I can because it's for me at least, very mentally helpful to have another thing to focus on. That's, mm-hmm. You know, I think something I need to be doing that's not cancer.
3: So, Meg, Meg, I've been to Houston. What do you think about Houston?
5: <clears throat> it's very lovely. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> everything is, is a 25-minute highway drive away from everything else. That
5: is, that is accurate. The, yeah. To be honest, the only parts of town that I have yet seen are the immediate vicinity of the Bush International Airport mm. and the Medical District, which includes Indy Anderson, all the University of Texas Medical Center complexes, Texas Children's, um, and the neighborhoods surrounding there. And I've got to say, there are some very lovely walking, running, jogging, biking trails in mm-hmm. that area, which has been great for me just to keep up with my exercise and my fitness. mm mm-hmm. um, But I really haven't been able to enjoy the other parts of the city. So hopefully when I'm back there this summer for a couple of months, I'll have a better chance to really get a sense of what Houston has to offer.
3: I I said it. I felt like uh, they they built the highways first and then the town.
5: (laughs) And then just kind of filled in. Yeah, Yeah, that's. That seems about. There's a lot of interstate, highway, beltway, freeway, oh. all that good stuff. Like so Florida, you vibes, need a car. I've
3: learned. Oh. I'll, and I, I'll I'll tell you though, Meg. Pro tip: Houston has the largest sized Chinatown in the country, Ooh. and it's it's, oh. it's very very cool. Very, and you can and they have a big Vietnamese population that came over uh, after the Vietnam War and during the Vietnam Wars, and they have this sort of. Cajun Vietnamese uh, mm-hmm. food there. It's very very good. Jeff, definitely check that out.
5: That is a fusion variety that Fusian. I've never heard yeah. of. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Viet Cajun. Viet the, Cajun. The foodie you can, in me is very excited. You can get,
3: get very spicy crawfish that are just like Ooh. lemongrass Ooh. spice monsters. So good.
5: Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I will. I will definitely venture over there. Wherever that is, it's a very fat <laughs> monstrosity of a city that Houston is. Yes.
0: Well, just to wrap up, Meg, too, it's so, just so people know that you are doing fine right now. Um, things are looking good with your prognosis. It's going to be a battle still, but um, maybe just a little update on how things are going with you and, and what the future holds for you at this time.
5: Yeah, I've been – one of the things I learned from Houston, as you guys have mentioned before, is I did get a somewhat different diagnosis. I was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, which is a bit more aggressive and a bit more rare. But thankfully, the doctors in Houston, since they are the leading cancer center in the country, if not the world, they see a lot more cases of that than other places and so they feel very confident that they have all the tools necessary to get me to a cure. So I'll continue chemo here at home but I'll be going out to Houston back and forth to do these repeat scans and then I'll be going out there for about three months in uh, mid-June, late June to do my radiation, my surgery and all the recoup from from that stuff. So it's going to be a really long process but I feel really good about everything, the care that I'm getting in Texas and the continuing care that under the direction of MD Anderson, I'm getting here at home. And it's just been overwhelming, too, and so encouraging, just as important to me as the medicine itself, is to hear the support and to really kind of wrap myself in the support and love that I've heard from all kinds of folks and a lot of our our leader fans who have been so kind and had so many sweet things to say and reached out and I just want you guys to know, like, it sounds really hokey when people are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sending you thoughts and prayers and I'm really (laughs) thinking about you. No, like, it is really important when you're the recipient of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. It means more than I can ever, ever say. So thank you to everybody, especially our our fangirl friend up in Rock Hill who Mm -hmm. reached out recently. It is just overwhelming and so wonderful to hear all of that. So I thank you, and please keep it coming because it really is helping.
0: I'd love to hear that. And we're here for you too, Megan. I love that you're also inspiring so many other people out there to get mammograms, and then also people are reaching out to you with their own personal stories with cancer too. So um, it's It's just fascinating to see how much this this ripple affects, you know.
5: You you see how many people are affected by this and how many women particularly like, wow, you know, I, I missed my mammogram last year during the pandemic, or I know I'm overdue get a mammogram, go out Mm -hmm. there, get your mammogram, do your monthly self-check. I can't say it enough. Take care of yourself, advocate for yourself, whatever your health issue is, get to the root of it, seek a second opinion, and just be your own best advocate. That's the one piece of advice that I really would impart to anybody out there who is hearing about this, seeing this, and needs to take care of themselves.
3: I feel like that that advice goes for everything in life. Be your own self best advocate.
5: It does stand up for yourself. We just don't do that enough,
3: and we need to. Well, Meg, thank you so much. We love yes, you so much. We love you, Meg.
5: Thank you, you guys. I love y'all. I'm so glad to be able to catch up.
0: Thanks for listening to the pod, y'all. Show us your appreciation by leaving a voicemail at 803 563 7169 or a review on iTunes. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and South Carolina Public Radio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. And watch This Week in South Carolina every Friday 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11.30 a.m. On your local S.C.E. TV station. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Give us your credit card information. Hey, you can trust us. We'll use it. We'll buy you all the tote bags you could ever need.